Dive into the world of dance at the Victorian College of the Arts. Their program offers a unique blend of artistry, performance, and choreographic practice within an inclusive environment. As an undergraduate student, you explore contemporary dance, physical theatre, ballet, urban dance, and more in a collaborative studio lab setting. At honors level, specialize in performance skills, choreographic practice, or dance research. Plus, benefit from the proximity of local choreographers and companies, including Philip Adams, Stephanie Lay Company, Lucy Guerin, Chunky Move, and Dance House. Through professional placements, their students have the opportunity to develop pathways for their future careers through these relationships and networks. Consider a variety of bachelor, masters, and even doctorate programs available according to your needs. Join them and unleash your artistic potential at the Victorian College of the Arts. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below. Why don't we have Congress on this clubhouse? <laughs> like, <laughs> talking about like that's insane. Like, I'm just I'm blown away. I'm absolutely baffled. I'm, that's I'm, my I'm, next step. Don't steal my ideas yet, Thomas. <laughs> We're taking this all the way to the house. We're building to that. Hello and welcome to The Background Dancer. I'm your host, Jason Yup. Thank you for joining me with our community of passionate dance contributors from around the world and across different fields. In this podcast, I offer educational conversations and insightful tips to help you better understand all things offstage about this curious art form. Dancing isn't always about belonging to the art form. It also comes with a community and support system. How can we build more communities and strengthen existing ones in dance? Join us as we discuss our experiences of establishing different communities and collectives around the world. For this session, we were joined by another contributing voice and the first ever clubhouse attendee to have called in, namely Thomas. Listen in and enjoy. Well, I have a question that we can all open with, if you don't mind, Jason. I don't know what you were about to say. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just wanted you. to ask and put this out there: uh, if uh, what um, to anyone as well, you can write it in and send and message us later as well. Is I want to ask you all: who is your dance community, and what does that involve? And why is community important for you? So maybe we can start with that and see where it leads us. Wow, great question. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah, Jason, you want to pop off first? Yeah, I'm just going to go with a short one. I would say uh, community is basically looking at it from two perspectives. One is platforming. So does it give a space, a physical space? Does it have a physical network to rely on? It's a platform where you can exchange ideas on and the rest and so on and so on. And the other way to look at community for me is this kind of intangible, almost sort of sentimental value that is shared among a group of people that is uh, of a certain identity. 
So for example, you say dance community. Dancers share a community without a physical space. We're stretched out across the world like we are right now. And we're still able to call ourselves a community of people because we do believe in the same thing. Of course, if you get these two things to come together, then it's, of course, paradise. But uh, we have come to a point where we can actually have those things divided. So the last thing I would say about community is basically if a community was to be established, in my view, a community should, among the many things that a community would do, the one thing that you should for sure set a goal for or at least strive for is how it can sustain itself even after the original founders <laughs> or the original people of that community have long gone so basically establishing different values and long-term plans and solutions so that you have a proper survival mechanism and communities are communities because they survive right uh, and that for me uh, stretches out to every industry and it's no different for dance. Yeah. What about you, Jacob? Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. That was wonderful. So thanks, Jason. Uh, you know, when I was uh, teaching yesterday, uh, every single class I started off uh, because, you know, I uh, have elementary kids, middle school, high school, I'm some in an alternate education track. And I asked them, uh, what do you need to make a community? And I got a whole bunch of different answers. I had, you know, a little girl named Tayana who's eight years old. She said, well, you need a home. You need a whole bunch of homes. You need houses. I said, okay. <laughs> we have our, our middle school kids. And so you, you, you need family. You need family. You need people to be around you. Those, those who you love. Those who you want to protect. And our high schooler kids. Well, I'll get to them in a moment. Our alternate education track said that you need you need to have love. You need to have love for something, a big love. And the high school kids, I, I would say, got the closest out of all all four, which would make sense right there on a, a higher level of education. And their first response to me was, you need a mission, something to work towards, something to strive for, an, an ideal uh, entity. That maybe it's not achieved, you know. Maybe maybe it hasn't been uh, acquired yet, and you you need to have uh, really in in lighter terms a purpose. And I feel as though, with most communities that are being built, they're searching for more. Just like what Jason was saying, you know, you need to have you know the systems put into place for longevity. You need uh, similar uh, moments or. Uh, aspects or characteristics of identity but you need a purpose something that's missing that hasn't been attained yet but something to work towards of like with like-minded people and i think one of those the strongest uh additions to this that was spoken about in that high school class was when it comes towards working that mission everyone has to have a, a longing desire as if some, something's missing and everyone within that community or that those groups of people that are hoping to build community must all share and hold that same desire to a certain extent. And so for me today, I definitely think that the main purpose for building community and why a community is important is to achieve and to collaborate 
and hopefully create the overall solution to a problem to achieve that purpose or that mission. Over to you, Joshua. Yeah, nice. I, I think uh, the same. Uh, when I was thinking about why the dance community is important to me is one, I think we have a shared purpose, so to speak. Like I'm inspired to create, to co-create, to work towards our goals together. Um, and also a dance community gives me the support for not just my own artistic practice, but also in infrastructuring. So I, after I started working with communities and thinking of not just myself within this huge ecosystem, but also in collaboration, in asking for support, I've seen that there are many tools, resources, and things that open up that we can all pull in together. So I think it, a community just opens up the resources that we have and have access to, but also it gives me a better sense of direction because alone, I feel like it's really hard to move your artistic vision forward, especially when I operate in a country where there, there are less dance infrastructures or organizations to cooperate with. So I think uh, the direction of, you know, working towards something together really gives me a sense of um, clarity in how I want to build my artistic career forward and also how we can all move forward. So for that, I re I, as I was preparing for this talk, I was really thinking of why the dance community is important to me. But also I noticed that my dance community, quote unquote, has been evolving and changing over the past few years at different stages of my artistic career, let's say. So I wanted to talk about, bring this in a little bit because in how do you form your dance community, right? I think in the beginning, as a student or as a learner, you start creating a tribe, so to speak, of people you train with or people you see shows with and get to discuss, watch videos, you know, talk. And that creates the inner bubble, let's say. And after a while, I started, you know, branching out as a professional. Who are the people I go to auditions with? Who am I working with? Who am I training with? Who who gives workshops? Where can I teach? So the community keeps changing. Like, you know, people or roles keep changing, uh, intermingling. And then you broaden that to the community. And now with the digital connection, who am I creating with? Who am I making and or broadening this platform with. So I think it's good to also reflect how our communities keep changing as our careers or vision keep evolving. So I'll leave it at that for now. Okay. Uh, that's a great point, uh, Joshua. I would like to piggyback off that. Uh, with regards to, you asked the question of like, Evolution of dance communities, right? Evolution. So you start off with one dance community and then it kind of grows. It grows because you grow, right? So it's kind of dependent on yeah, the definitely. builder and the founders, like vision and of course, uh, one's uh, experiences. So I, I, I guess why I'm asking this is because I myself have built like a different community throughout my life and they were all associated with a certain identity at that point in time of my dance career, of my dance journey. Now, when when you're building these communities for you, 
what was the challenge? Was it was it finding the people or was it finding the purpose first? Hey, Jason here with a special message for you to help and continue serving our beloved performing arts community. So here's what you can do. Share this with one person you believe with this episode can benefit and attach a personal note explaining why. This way, you are not only helping me grow this show, but also adding value to those you truly care about. Massive appreciation as it means the world to me. And let's get right back to the show. Ah, great question. I think I also have this for both of you. (laughs) Um, I think when it comes to building a community, I think one, the biggest challenge or opportunities, let's say, is me realizing what is my context. Because first, I think it's really important to understand the paradigms within which you work. Because I started dancing in Canada. And when I came back to India, everything changed. You know, the kinds of peers changed, what the roles, the institutions, everything changed. So it did take me a long time, I must say, because, I mean, it's been almost six years that I've been working in India, and it took me this long to figure out a sustainable way to build and move forward. So I think the biggest challenge was recognizing and understanding the dance ecosystem of India so that I can learn to move my resources, understand networks, build connections, and then from recognizing the spaces and the need in the dance community, that's when I really started uh, enabling myself to actualize my vision, which is make opportunities and networks to further my artistic practice and bring others along with me. So that's one. And I think another big challenge that I had would be probably in finding ways to sustain my practice, like sustainability. Because, of course, finance, uh, let's talk about money a little bit. I think it is important if you want to build a career off of it. So, again, it took me a while to figure out how can I make things sustainable where I don't have arts organizations or government that are funding our work or a place where I can just work and you know, exchange for services. So it took me a while to find, again, value, place value in what I do, saying, oh, I can monetize this, 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 this. I think in the beginning, a lot of artists are worried about monetization or are we selling out? These questions definitely came in. And it took me a long while to figure that out, the work balance, uh, to know these are the kind of things I can do to monetize my work and be able to fund my own projects. So in a way that gave me a lot of freedom. And also that's what connected me to a broader community, not just the closed circuit of professional dancers, let's say, but also places and communities that want and appreciate dance, like schools, uh, different workshops, different artisans and craftswomen in smaller villages. So things like that. So I think those are the two key ones in that helped me start build the community here. And I would say the same for you, uh, because you're building, Jason, you're building a 
digital platform, like through your podcasting, through the background dancer, and your community is a global web of, you know, specialized people in their different fields. And Jacob's doing all house dance. If anyone has not heard of it, they're trying to deliver free training to a lot of people in LA. So that's quite a big feat. So I'm sure you both have a lot of challenges that you've overcome and can share on how to get over this. Big all house dance fan. Big all house dance fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, So Jacob, like speaking of all house, right. And the origin, let's go back to the genesis of this. Like I know we talked a lot about why you wanted to do it and what the benefits were to be of creating accessible, transparent, and free like uh dance classes and quality dance like training and dance accessibility right now you've been doing this for almost two years now if i if i'm not mistaken i've been about a a little bit over a year now um i've had this idea for quite some time um something that i've been discussing and really kind of pondering about for a while but um you know i don't don't mean to go too far into story time because i know a lot of people here have either heard that story on a previous episode or, you know, so on and so forth. But really for me and my experience, uh, my, my dance community belongs to the street. Um, My first experience dancing was really all on concrete, you know, practicing because our dance troupe didn't have the ability to use any of the performing arts spaces or the, uh, the cafeterias or really any, any large, spaces occupying UC Santa Cruz because we weren't recognized as an official dance troupe at the moment. And the crazy thing about that is that the troupe had been together for about, I'd say about five to six years. And, you know, I I could go on and on about why they weren't accepted in that way because it wasn't a part of the actual educational system. This was something that was branching off from that. But in in more more ways than, than not, this group that I was with uh, was wanting something different. They were wanting more representation. They were wanting more variety. They weren't wanting dance to be confined to the space at which the university thought of dance. So in that, I take, I take that everywhere with me. You know, I, whenever I'm dancing anywhere, I, I'm always thinking about that troupe and they were known as the Rainbots. We were part of Rainbow Theater which was uh, a branch of performing arts program (laughs) that uh, came from the Cultural Arts and Diversity Resource Center at UC Santa Cruz. And wherever I go now, whether it's in a studio or a performance venue or a competition, I'm always thinking about the Rainbots. They're they're always with me. And it's really special because although that troupe has now uh, been on a hiatus for quite some time since I left the university, I think to myself, those same questions that Joshua was bringing up, you know, how, how could I have set up that troop with longevity and the funds and the proper systems, as Jason was talking about earlier, to maintain the function of what that troop and that dance crew was all about. And so moving forward, when I came down here to LA to pursue a performing arts career, whether that be in film, the stage, on the dance floor, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And fortunately enough, uh, within the two weeks that I would move down here, I was able to find a career through Arthur Murray in the ballroom. 
And you just have to think about that. I mean, for what ex- that experience was. I mean, I was someone who was dancing off the street, and that's what I carried with me always. Even when I started to perform with the university and in a whole bunch of shows or, you know, traveling to Paris and meeting all of these phenomenal dancers, the likes of like Jason, that's where we first met in 2018, you know, uh, I still carried that, that street mentality of, you know, grind hard, everybody's welcome. How can we make it as, as accessible and as communal as possible without getting into the pedagogy or the, uh, the systems that were already in place? for dance, but utilizing them to our benefit to help guide us forward, right? We weren't trying to limit ourselves, but we were, we were taking what we liked, kind of cherry picking and using that to our advantage. But then when I moved down here, I was welcomed to the world of ballroom. How starkly different that was, you know, being in a dance studio where when I first went in for my interview, I went in with a t-shirt and gym shorts. Can I just cut in here? Don't do that for interview. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Everyone has the exact right idea. You know, imagine that I I went into my first interview with the street mentality. Did it prepare myself well enough for the interview for the proper dress attire and dress code of what that business was? Absolutely not. The job was my street mentality, the experiences that I carried with me and uh, the overall drive that I had acquired through Rainbots. You know, it's, it's funny. I remember uh, in the interview, I was asked uh, what a salsa basic was because they taught salsa. And I told them, I don't know. You want to show it to me? I'll try it. I love that. And that's what we did. And, okay. uh, you know, it just was absolutely phenomenal. Oh yeah, Thomas, did you want to say something? I'm so sorry. I'm just I've I've truly never heard this story before told in this way, and I'm very much <laughs> enjoying it. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, yeah, buddy. what is more important than the community question at this current time? Like what you guys are touching on, mm-hmm. what what you all I don't mean to misgender. What y'all are touching on, okay, is truly at the center of how to get dance, which is <laughs> good, right? To just boil it down to one word, right. um, into the hearts and minds of people. Like what you guys are talking about is why don't we have Congress on this clubhouse <laughs> like, <laughs> talking about like, that's insane. Like, I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely baffled. I'm, That's I'm, my I'm, next step. Don't steal my ideas yet, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking this all the way to the hey, <laughs> We're building to that. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. We're laddering up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, One, I like I like the I like the mentality though. This idea that yeah, you have to to uh, uh go ahead later, uh Thomas. Like there's just a double down the the street thing. I mean basically the way I look at it is like everything comes bottom up, right? Like building a house, you can't build the roof without the foundations. And mm-hmm. when you come from that kind of mentality of like, you can do anything, any way, anyhow, then obviously by hook or by crook, just by sheer just motivation and passion, a community kind of builds around you, mm. whether you intended it to happen or not. I love that expression by hooker by crook. What yes, do you but I think that also. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, no, but that also uh, comes to brings another topic that's really important in community building is also leadership. I think it's really important to have such a clear vision. And as Jason previously mentioned earlier, how do you impart the same vision or mission to the community with whom you're building the work? How, you know, because there are so many organizations and institutions already in place. And sometimes I feel like maybe they compete, maybe they, I don't know, try to hold on to some power because once you're established, let's put a quote over there, there's a big risk of, you know, that being the only thing. And it's hard for other people to imagine an alternate space. So my question is for everyone to discuss also what kinds of leadership uh, challenges or roles are you building as you create the vision? Do you have a team? Do you have, do you work on your own? What's your system or what's, what are the infrastructures you have in place for your community? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a really good point you're making because that's really what I acquired from uh, the ballroom is is understanding <clears throat> the economics behind building a dance business and what it really takes and the sort of drive and motivation you have to put in as a leader to those who you are you're guiding in this journey in dance in their their own lives so on and so forth that really helped me to understand. Uh, how I needed to go forward with this dream or this idea that I'd been pondering about for quite some time, you know? Uh, so when I was, you know, after that interview, I, I spent about a, a year and eight months, you know, with Arthur Murray. And I just remember every single place that I was walking around and, you know, the people that I was discussing, you know, different ideas with and understanding what it meant to be in the ballroom business um, was shockingly different than what I was used to. And I was always questioning, you know, why, why does this cost so much money? Why, why is a, a dance teacher who is selling all the programs in the, the school, you know, within that specific uh, enterprise, you know, getting awards for selling, you know, over $300,000 worth of programs, selling, you know, programs the size of up to 15000 for, you know, dance competition and vacation. Why was I being paid minimum wage? And how do I guide the students without getting that sort of mentality or those thoughts uh, pierce through the overall objective of me completing my job and duty as, you know, the ballroom specialist. And I think overall, when it came to that, that pricing game, I really understood what it meant to be. <laughs> What's up, Phil? I just got to say, I love that wig in that photo. Also, hello to everyone else who's joined. Uh, but yeah, when it, when it comes to the foundation of what it means to be a leader and creating a new uh, opportunity, I really studied what Arthur Murray did to create his own community because he came up around the same time as Mr. Fred Astaire. And for those of you who don't know, Fred Astaire is one of the most famous and important ballroom figures in America and in global history. And he really took it all the way to the top, aka to big old Hollywood, and was shooting films while Arthur Murray at the same time was lauded for uh, similar actions and accomplishments, but he took it towards the business side. How can I make the most money and get the most people dancing? How can I build a community of ballroom dancers? And, you know, culturally, that's super significant within the 20th century because dancing was a lot of ways that people gathered, celebrated, and really uh, came together as a community to uh, enjoy themselves. You know, it's almost, it was like a central tenet 
um, over the history of America, you know, for the past 300 years or so, a little bit less than that, dancing has been an important part of life. But as I've discussed in previous uh, episodes, uh, dancing as a social mechanism or cultural mechanism for uh, community uh, has, in my perspective, which is not obviously the truth for everyone, but that it's dwindled for uh, many different areas of people. I mean, our generation uh, didn't look as dancing as something as you do it at every single event or party or gathering, right? Like, you know, it's maybe only a thing for weddings or maybe the formal dance or maybe uh, even say a, a celebration of life. But that was something I thought to myself. Why, why does all this dancing cost so much money? How can I get people reignited with a passion to dance and to gather with each other and enjoy movement and collaborate and, you know, just really just move their hearts away or really onto each other? So over those years that I was pondering these questions, I thought to myself, dang, it's not just the ballroom business. It's everywhere here in L.A. Anytime that I look for dance classes online or was discussing with my, my fellow dancers and instructors, I thought to myself, well, geez, why does everything cost over $50? And I get it. It's LA. I mean, I, sh I shouldn't be too humbled, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's LA. It's Los Angeles. It's, you know, one of the largest metropolitan cities in the entire world, specific, more specifically for America. And I thought, well, why can't everybody receive what I received? You know, I was somebody who came into the dancing world as an actor who was given the opportunity to learn how to dance in exchange for acting lessons with those who were in my Rainbox troupe. And so overall, when I thought about it, I was like, well, if there's nothing created, why not create it? And that was, you know, uh, a huge, huge question that I, I thought of over and over and over. How would I create it? How would I build community? How would I lead it? How would I finance it? What kind of system would we uh, play? What kind of product would I provide to those who are seeking to learn how to dance? Or maybe not. Because, you know, as previously discussed, once again, dance as a cultural mechanism started to dwindle and change as uh, different iterations of people flow in and out of the country, new generations come. And so it was, it was a hard question to ask because how can I get people to think, okay, well, I don't dance, but why not dance? Why dance? What's important about dancing? And so I, I reached out to a whole bunch of my friends, you know, uh, those who knew I was a dancer and said, hey, like, look, I'm, I'm wanting to start this mission, but I need support because I know I can't do it on my, uh, alone. It requires a community. You know, if I went out there just by myself saying, hey, we are, we're creating a new group and we're going to make these dance lessons free and accessible and it's a community but it's just me, how would that work out? How would people perceive that? What would the public perception of my actions be? So I reached out to a whole bunch of friends and, you know, I was just, just talking to them about it. Like, what, what do you think of this idea? Would you like to join? And by joining, all I meant was, you know, by, by supporting and sharing on social media and interacting and building an online community for people to discuss and figure out why man. So there you have it, round six of our Clubhouse discussions and another wonderful extract from the Y Dance J Cast Clubroom.
Be sure to head over and check out all the full episodes. On the Background Dancer podcast, we will be presenting a total of 10 episodes as we continue to build up to season two. So stay tuned for any updates coming your way. And if you enjoyed what you've listened to so far, don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even on our Background Dancer website. In our next episode, we explore dance and interdisciplinarity. Stay tuned for that, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and leave a review on your designated podcast and social media platforms. If you found this interesting or helpful, feel free to share with members of your community so that they too may connect with us in our quest to foreground dance in the background. I'm Jason Yup of The Background Dancer, and as always, catch you next time. If you're listening to this, you are most definitely a dance enthusiast, maybe even one for dance science. Well, why not join the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science, or IADMS for short, and become part of a global community dedicated to supporting dancers and performers worldwide. With active members from over 50 countries, including experts in dance, medicine, and science, IADMS provides a diverse network of support and resources. As a member, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits such as discounts to year-round events, their vast collection of e-learning opportunities, and a subscription to the Journal of Dance Medicine and Science, amongst other incredible and unique offers. Join the mission for better outcomes and apply for an iAdams membership today. Click the link in the descriptions below for more info.